You guys can grab a seat, grab your Bibles, open them up to the book of Psalms, please. Everybody feeling good this morning? So like seven of you are feeling good this morning, that's good. Anybody tired this morning? That's interesting that you would be louder. I ask if you're tired. That's good. Uh, hey, I hope uh, last night was helpful. Uh, getting a, a grasp of the whole picture of all that God has been doing for us. And so as you, uh, even this morning, as you stepped into your time alone with God and looked at various passages, uh, those don't just become random parts that are just somewhere in the Bible, but they connect somewhere to this story that we traced together last night. Uh, we talked about listening to the story of the whole Bible, knowing what's going on in the whole so that we could understand each individual part and how it kind of fits in to that whole part, or to, I'm sorry, to the whole story. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about asking first and then listening. It sounds kind of backwards, but it makes sense in what we're talking about uh, this morning. So ask, then listen. Uh, how many of you are drivers in here? Drivers, good, yeah. So a lot of you are drivers, uh, but you've all been in a car before? This is true? Good, okay, so you can all relate, all right? Uh, one of the most frustrating and dangerous realities when driving in the car is having an obstructed view in the windshield. Would you agree with this? Like, it's super frustrating. I hate winter. I hate winter a lot. What I hate about winter most is ice. Ice on the windshield is not great, right? Very difficult to see. You have to wait for it to defrost. Um, I, one time before I think I lived here, I was like, maybe we should just boil some water and pour it on there. And Katie's like, that would be a really bad idea. Um, so I'm learning. Uh, condensation, that's the worst this time of year where you're like, I don't know, defrost, do I make it hot? Do I make it cold? Where do, you guys know what I'm saying, right? Then you make it too cold and then all of a sudden like some of the water starts coming up from the bottom. It's just a situation every time. Uh, fog, not great. When you're on long road trips, Bugs, right? Like nasty bugs all over the windshield, dirt, whatever it is, it's no fun. Here's what's even worse, though, than having all of these things happen to you, because it sounds bad, right? But it gets worse. It's when you then try to clean the windshield, and you're out of fluid, and you get something like this. You hear that awful scraping sound rip across the windshield, if it's really bad, like it's like bump, 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 bump over the bugs. I mean, it's a real situation and you do not achieve the intended result, right? You know what I'm saying with this. Uh, friends, this is like trying to read our Bibles without prayer. You're seeking greater clarity. You're in the pursuit of a greater and a more clear vision of the Lord when you open up his word. And this is like turning on the windshield wipers. It's good. It's necessary. It has to happen if we're going to have a more clear view. But it can often be ineffective or less productive unless you spray the fluid of prayer. So when we come to our Bibles, it's not just open up the Bible that's the windshield wipers, but also spray the fluid, pray and ask that the Holy Spirit of God would take that time, would take you meeting with him in his word, and that he would make it effectual, something that's more than just a natural act, but something that becomes a supernatural act. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said this, we may hammer away at a text, 
sometimes in meditation, and strike it again and again, and yet it may not yield to us. But we cry to God, and straightway the text opens, and we see concealed in it wondrous treasures of wisdom and grace. To read only is unprofitable. To pray without reading is not so soul-enriching. But when the two run together, they are like the horses pulling the chariot, and they speed along right merrily. If we would come to God's word and leave not just checking a box, but having met with and having heard from our Father who loves us, then we must recognize the indispensable role of prayer in our Bible reading. We must recognize that we must cry out to God, that we must ask him to meet with us, that we must ask the Holy Spirit of God to empower our reading so that we might hear the very voice of God. The enemy of your soul and my soul, who, by the way, is described in the Bible as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's also called the deceiver of our souls, the accuser of the saints. Uh, He does not care when you read your Bible. Satan and spiritual forces of evil do not care when you read your Bible. That's kind of irrelevant to them. But they care a whole lot when you read your Bible and you see the glory of God. Because it's in that moment that everything changes. When we come to God's word and we see his glory, we see himself revealed, we hear his voice. When we catch this glimpse of God, it's at this moment that our heart changes. It's at this moment that our desires are fixed. It's in this moment that our minds are renewed. It's in this moment that our chains are broken. And it's in this moment that our souls are satisfied. So perhaps uh, you've been reading the Bible consistently for a while. And you're beginning to wonder why your heart is not growing in deeper desire for the Lord. You're wondering, why is it that each time you come to God's word, there's not really much change in your desire or your delight, that you're not growing in a passion for more and more of God and his word? I would ask, what is the place of prayer when it comes to your Bible reading? Are you asking for God to be present? Are you asking for him to help as you open his word? Reading the Bible is both a natural and a supernatural act. Uh, Tonight, Pastor Chris is going to be here with us, and he's going to help us kind of work through the natural act of reading God's Word, this studying, this digging, this working hard in order to understand these truths which have been given to us. But this morning, our first stop is looking at the supernatural act of listening to God in His Word. This can only happen when the Spirit of God enables us to see the beauty, to see the glory, to see the worth of God when we open the pages of this book. So Father, I would pray as we step in now and look at how we can come to you in prayer when we open our Bibles, that you would help us. God, I pray that you would encourage my brothers and sisters with these truths. And God, that it would uh, just be another piece that you use to shape the course of their pursuit of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So uh, what we want to look at this morning, four prayers, four, I thought this was clever, petitions before we listen. Doesn't that sound cute? Uh, four prayers before we listen, okay? Prayer number one, uh, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Each of these four prayers is taken out of the book of Psalms. David, a man after God's own heart, and the psalmist together pursuing after the Lord. And this here, the first prayer that we pray when we come to God and we open up his word and we listen to his voice in the pages of his word. God, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. What is an inclination? Uh, an inclination is an urge. It's an urge to act in a certain way or to feel a certain way. Uh, it's a leaning, right? It's like a gravitational pull towards. It's something that we're drawn to. Uh, when we hold something up and we drop it, that object is inclined to fall to the ground, right? Because of gravity. When we hold two magnets close together, they're inclined to come towards one another. They're attracted to one another. That's what we mean when we say, incline my heart. It's like, God, bend my soul in the direction of your testimonies. Uh, incline it, uh, bend it, move it, give it an attraction to the truths which you have revealed to me in your word. Now we have to pray this when we open up our Bibles because naturally we're inclined to many other things, aren't we? Uh, I'm inclined towards sleep. Anyone else? Yes. Yes. Okay. A, a firm yes. Uh, we are inclined towards sleep and this is not a bad thing except for when this inclination becomes so strong that it inhibits me or stops me from doing good and pursuing the love of God and the love of others. I'm inclined to stay in bed instead of getting up early to turn my ear to the Lord. And so I must pray these words from Psalm 119.36 so that the Lord would incline my heart towards him. Naturally, you and I, maybe not, but me, I'm inclined towards work. Uh, I like to be productive I like to get things done. Uh, I make checklists. I put little boxes on my list of things that I have to do. And I put little check marks in those boxes. And sometimes, even after I've already done something, I will write it on the list, put a checkbox, and check it. Because I like that feeling. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Others of you think I'm weird. Uh, I like to see something tangible accomplished. Uh, I would argue and hope that this is not a bad thing until it so effectively draws me that I don't engage in other profitable activities like reading my Bible, like stopping to love others. And so when I sit down at my desk in the morning, I feel a draw, an inclination, a pull towards accomplishing some sort of a task. And by God's grace and by crying out to him, I have to pray, God, incline my heart to your testimonies. We lean towards what is easy. We're drawn towards what is easy. We're attracted towards that which is easy. My heart is inclined towards doing activities that require less diligence and less discipline rather than more. When I find studying God's word hard and it becomes difficult and taxing on my mind, 
it's much easier to just grab my phone and look at something trivial or entertaining that requires far less thought. And so I must pray. Psalm 119, verse 36, God, incline my heart to your testimonies. Evidently, uh, David also felt this draw, this inclination, this attraction towards other things because he prays this. He knows what it's like for his soul to drift away from the Lord, even when he sets apart the time to meet with the Lord. And even when we open the pages of God's word, it's like we're, we're drawn, we feel this pull towards other things. And rather than David throwing up his hands and saying, well, I guess I just can't get that excited about listening to God. Instead, he throws himself at the feet of the Lord and he begs and pleads that the Lord would change his desires, that he would change his inclinations, that he would give him more of an attraction to his word. Do you, do I desire to hear God's voice when we open our Bibles? Or, if we're being honest, is it just something that you feel like you should do even though you don't really want to. You see, I think in the Christian life, we go between these two extremes. It's this, I feel like I should, so I guess I will. And then on the other side, it's like, yes, no, I really want to. Like, I want to meet with God. I want to hear from him. And some days we may wake up and it's like, yes, I'm here. And other days we wake up and we're over here. And so it's this ebb and flow. It's not a static reality that's always the same. And so each time we come to God in his word, we have to cry out. We have to ask him. We have to plead with him that he would incline our hearts towards him. Every time we open our Bibles, God, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Second prayer, God, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. It's been really, really fun uh, having kids. And it's really fun watching them learn and grow and new things becoming uh, alive to them. So Asher right now, uh, he just had his preschool graduation. Yeah, congratulations, right? So it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, but he learned his alphabet and he can recognize letters. And so all the time he's like reading letters out loud like B, I, G, G, O, D. I'm reading Nate's shirt in the back. Uh, he's doing this. And he's like, Daddy, what, is, what does this mean? What does this mean? Uh, up until now, though, this is what the world has looked like for Asher. Like when he sees things out there, it might as well be written in Chinese. Yes? Um, does anybody read Chinese in here? Robbie, where are you at? Julie, Julie reads a little bit of Chinese. That's great. Um, so this doesn't apply to you. But everyone else in the room who doesn't read Chinese, this is what the world looks like to Asher. Uh, lots of different signs with little to no meaning. But over time, as he begins to learn how to read, all of a sudden what he recognizes is that everywhere, all the time, the world is communicating to him. That there are these messages that are hidden all around the world and what used to be a jumbled bunch of nonsense all of a sudden becomes something that he can understand. And what used to just be figures up there on signs are now speaking something to him. It's been there the whole time, but he couldn't see it. He couldn't understand it. It had no effect on him. But soon, as he continues to grow in his ability to read, his eyes will be opened and what he has looked at a thousand times 
will all of a sudden become far more meaningful to him. And so it is with our Bibles. We can look at it, and it's been there the whole time, and we've seen it a thousand times. But when we cry out and ask the Holy Spirit to open up our eyes, that we might behold and see wondrous things in his word, he takes something that we've been looking at over and over and over again, and he enables us to see what's been there the whole time, and we catch a glimpse of his glory and his beauty and his worth and his value. The Holy Spirit enables us to hear the voice of God and to see the glory of God. Uh, maybe you've heard the old song, Open the Eyes of My Heart. Have you guys heard this before? Yeah. yeah? That was like the big deal uh, when I was sitting in your seats, right? Some of you guys are singing in your hearts like, okay. Uh, this is what I think, though, that song is about. And it's coming out of Ephesians with Paul praying, where we're actually asking for the eyes of our hearts, not our physical eyes. We see black words on a white page. We've seen that the whole time. But something spiritually, something supernatural happens when the Spirit of God meets us, when we approach the Word of God, and the eyes of our hearts are enlightened, and then we can really see. Brothers and sisters, there are wondrous things in God's Word. And they are waiting. They are there. They are crying out to. God is longing to reveal these wondrous things to you. If only we would search for them. If only we would dig for them. If only we would long for them and cry out for God to reveal them to us. When we look at God's word and we don't see these wondrous things, when the Holy Spirit of God does not meet us in our Bible reading, we're not seeing it as it really is. Uh, we can see it the exact same way that Satan sees it. We can see it the exact same way that the natural man sees it. And so we need the very power of God to enlighten our hearts, to open our eyes each time we open this book. Third prayer. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. It's this last part especially. Unite my heart to fear your name. This comes out of Psalm 86, verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Uh, we all struggle with fragmented heart syndrome, right? Uh, this is similar to our petition for God to incline our hearts towards his testimonies. But here, we're not just asking for a desire for his word. More than that, we're asking that we would have a pure heart. Now, oftentimes when we think of the term pure heart, we think about sexual purity. I don't think that's what the Bible is talking about, what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 5, where he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, <clears throat> excuse me, for they shall see God. You see, I think what it's talking about is actually this oneness of desire, this singular passion, this purity, not in the sense that uh, sexual purity, but purity in the sense that it's not mixed in with other desires, other wants. Uh, it, it, it's only inclined, it's only set, it's only fixed on the Lord. To have a pure heart is to will one thing. It's not a bunch of different desires that compete and pull us in different directions. The fragmented heart may desire ease, comfort, friends, money, stuff, reputation, a certain job, acceptance, love, 
And so we run a little here, we run a little there, seeking all these things. Our minds are constantly distracted with these desires, and it's hard for us to focus on the Lord. But what if we had a whole heart for God? What if by God's grace, we were able to obey Jesus when he said in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So when we pray this prayer out of Psalm 86, this is what we're asking the Lord to do, to give us a pure heart, to unite our heart, to take the fragments and to pull them all together into one united heart that is after the Lord, the heart that is undivided, undistracted, and rightly ordered, can pursue the Lord in purity. When you're reading the Bible, is it difficult for you to stay your thoughts on the Lord? Or do you often find yourself distracted, thinking about other things? It's like stream of consciousness and all these other things are coming into your mind. I got to think about this. I got to think about that. No, wait, I'm trying to focus here. Uh, This happens to me all the time. And so this is why we must cry out and say, God, would you unite my heart? Would you give me a time with you uninterrupted and free from distraction where I can have a pure heart solely desiring you? It's a supernatural act. Listen, you won't be able to have the willpower to get your thoughts and keep them on track. The Spirit of God must do this. He must be the one to unite our hearts, to fear the Lord, and to draw near to Him in His Word. Fourth, and finally, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Psalm 90, verse 14, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. I don't know about you, we talked about this a little bit last night, but uh, our hearts are very tempted to be satisfied in things not the Lord. We think that we would be satisfied if only we had blank. It's like, yeah, life is good now, but if only I had this, then everything would be all right. Then I wouldn't have to worry anymore. Then I wouldn't have to be afraid anymore. Then I could be sure. Then I could be confident. Then I could have the things that I want. If only I had this, then I would be satisfied. We said last night that all of our sinning is unbelief. It's a turning away from God in order to find satisfaction in something other than God. Uh, I found this really helpful. This is John Piper in his book, Future Grace. He breaks out certain areas of sin that we struggle with. Uh, And he says this, so in pride, pride is a turning away from God specifically to find satisfaction in self. Pride is a turning away from God specifically to find satisfaction in self. If you're an avid note taker, all of these are going to be like that. So, Blank is a turning away from God to find satisfaction in blank. So you can just kind of like write the words instead of the whole sentence every time, okay? Pride is a turning away from God specifically to find satisfaction in self. Covetousness is a turning away from God to find satisfaction in things. Covetousness is a turning away from God in order to find satisfaction in things. Lust is a turning away from God in order to find satisfaction in sex. 
Lust is a turning away from God in order to find satisfaction in sex. Bitterness is a turning away from God in order to find satisfaction in revenge. Bitterness is a turning away from God in order to find satisfaction in revenge. Impatience is a turning away from God to find satisfaction in my own uninterrupted plan of action. Impatience is a turning away from God to find satisfaction in my own uninterrupted plan of action. Friends, we were made to seek satisfaction. And your problem and my problem is that we are often too easily satisfied. Or else, we find the easiest way to be satisfied even just for a moment, realizing that it will vanish and then we're on to the next thing. I'm satisfied, now I'm not. I'm satisfied, now I'm not. I'm satisfied, now I'm not. And we just keep going from things that barely satisfy and don't have a long shelf life, one thing to the next, not ever realizing that if we want to have an ultimately satisfied soul that lasts, that will only be found in drawing near to the Lord, in knowing the Lord, in trusting the Lord, in enjoying the Lord. There is no other place where our souls will be content. And it doesn't matter how you're wired or what your personality is or what your preferences are, your likes and dislikes. All of that is secondary to the fact that you were created to have a soul satisfied in God and nothing else will do. Piper says that the true aim of all Bible reading is this. The Bible shows itself that our ultimate goal in reading the Bible is that God's infinite worth and beauty would be exalted in the everlasting white-hot worship of the blood-bought bride of Christ from every people, language, tribe, and nation. This is what the whole Bible is about. And this is what all of our Bible reading is aimed towards. Having a satisfied soul in all that God is for us in Jesus Christ. That as we come to the pages of God's word, as we open them up, we meet with the living God. And we see his glory and we hear his voice. And as we do, The aim of this is that we would be so enraptured, so caught up by his beauty and his glory that our souls are satisfied. This is what brings glory to God and this is what our souls long for. Relationship with God that cannot start and cannot continue and cannot grow except by coming often and regularly to the pages of his word. We cannot relate unless we know him, and we cannot know him unless we hear his voice. Brothers and sisters, our God is not hiding. He is revealing himself. He is shouting, here is who I am. He is inviting us and saying, come, hear from me so that you might know me, so that you might love me and know that I love you. He's inviting us to behold his goodness and his glory, calling us to see him, and to see him as the awesome God he is. So when we come to our Bibles, we don't come just to, you know, a chapter a day keeps the devil away. We don't come uh, just to, oh, I've got to check off this box, or, oh, my relationship with God can't be good unless I do this, so if I don't want to feel guilty and shameful, then I'll I'll just read, I guess, or uh, all kinds of other reasons that we would come to reading God's word. Listen, 
If you're coming to God's word like that and you keep finding it difficult to come to his word, I submit to you it's because you're coming for the wrong reason. Come to drink and to drink deeply from the well of God's all-satisfying grace. And as you begin to drink and as you begin to taste and see that the Lord is good, you will desire more and more and more and more. So let's not have a small aim. Let's come and let's be bold asking that the Lord, God, would meet us when we open the pages of our Bible. Now, as an encouragement, this does not happen all at once. It's not as if we pray and then all of a sudden, like, we feel totally different. This is something that happens increasingly throughout our lives. To know God is to love God, and the more we know Him, the more we love Him. The more we see His goodness, the more we see His beauty, the more our souls are satisfied in Him. His voice becomes clearer and clearer, and His words become sweeter and sweeter. So don't grow weary in coming to God's Word. Continue to tune your ear to the voice of God. Be faithful in your pursuit and pursue this in faith believing that God will meet with you, believing that you will grow in your knowledge. And as you grow in your knowledge, the Spirit will take that and enable you to grow in your love, trust, and enjoyment as well. So let's stop turning on the windshield wipers without spraying the wiper fluid. Let's enjoin both horse and chariot. Let's work hard to learn to read so that a world of wonders can open to us. And as we come to the pages of our Bible, let's pray, incline my heart to your testimonies. God, open my eyes to see wondrous things in your word. Unite my heart to fear your name and satisfy me with your steadfast love. Not just as routine statements that we make when we open our Bible and we say these four things and think all of a sudden that we just like cast some kind of magical spell over our next time in God's word. But let's use these phrases as starting points for our communion and communication with the Lord. So it's not just run through all four of these, but it's as I open up my Bible, God, incline my heart toward your testimonies. I feel like I'm drawn towards this right now. God, I'm having a really hard time being passionate and desiring to spend time with you right now. Now, God, would you meet me right here and would you change what's going on in my heart so that I would actually lean in, that my soul would be bent towards you and I might meet with you? And oh God, would you open my eyes to see wondrous things? I've looked at this passage a thousand times, God, and I know I haven't seen all of the glory and beauty and truth that there is here. So would you show me something wonderful about yourself? And God, would you unite my heart as I think about how fragmented my heart has been this week. God, I've gone after this thing and that thing, and I know, God, that that was displeasing to you and that I was seeking satisfaction in these other things. And so, God, now I'm praying that you would give me a heart that is undivided, that is pure, that has a singular desire to draw near to you. And, oh, God, I am praying that as I walk away from this time, I would walk away satisfied, having really met with you. And friends, as we pray these prayers, would we believe that the Lord would hear them and that he would be delighted to answer them? So Father, we thank you for 
hearing us as we pray. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us, God, that you have given us not only a direct avenue to communicate with you and ask you to reveal yourself to us, but God, we don't have to wonder whether or not you're giving us clear revelation or whether it's just something in our own minds because you've spoken to us and you've allowed it to be written down in a book that we can open every day of our lives. And so, Father, I would beg for myself and for these leaders and students in this room that you would give us an increasing desire to meet with you in your word. And God, that you would help us to be disciplined in crying out to you and expecting and praying and asking, oh God, that you would meet with us when we open the pages of these books that we have. And God, that each time we do, we would walk away with souls that are deeper and deeper and more and more satisfied in you. God, we cannot come to your word and see glory unless you help us. And so we recognize our desperate, desperate need for you. In Christ's name.